0: Well, amen and amen. If you have your Bible today, would you open it up to John sixteen thirty three? I'm going to use two texts today: uh, John sixteen thirty three and then Acts twenty seven. So you might want to put a little piece of paper in there. We're going to be going there shortly thereafter. Do you ever have difficulties sort of attack your life? You have a big problem that comes up, and it just kind of grabs you and tosses you around a little bit. Well, I want to talk about that today, because uh, all of us have that at every, every uh, month or so, or day or so, or year or so, and so we want to know how to deal with it. When difficulties attack your faith, what do you do? That's what we'll be thinking about together today. Our text in John sixteen thirty three says, in this world, you will have Trouble. So we know that it's coming for all of us. Uh, What can you say about trouble? Well, you can say three things about it. You just got out of it, or you're in the middle of it right now, or it's just down the road ahead of us. Uh, It's coming. There's no question about it. Trouble is a part of our lives. Very few people in the history of the text of Scripture... Uh, Very few in the Bible have suffered more than Paul. He went through all kinds of terrible, terrible things. Uh, His dream was to share the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. I mean, he always had big dreams. He wanted to do the big thing and to do it well. Well, he didn't get to do that. Why? Because he had some problems, some difficulties come into his life. He said, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That was the sort of the supreme punishment that you could get just before death. Many, many people died uh, when they received the 39 lashes. Uh, Three times, he said, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now that's not drugs, that's with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I don't know if he meant by that he was just kind of floating or or what. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers, from the bandits, from the countrymen, from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country. I've been in danger at sea. I've been in danger from false brothers. I have labored and I have toiled and I have often gone without sleep for long periods of time. I have known hunger and thirst. I have been cold and I have been naked. Paul was a pro at facing all of these difficulties. They came to him all along the way. In his Christian life, in spite of all the things that he went through, Paul maintained a great attitude. Can you imagine that after all that stuff that I mentioned? He had a great attitude through every bit of it. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4, Paul says, In everything we do show that we are God's servants. He's saying, all this stuff I've been through, all this stuff that perhaps you've gone through, through all of that, we ought to show that we are God's servants by enduring troubles and hardships and difficulties with great patience. Now, that's a verse that maybe we ought to mark and highlight in our Bible because that's what he is encouraging us to do, to face it with the right attitude, and to be built up in the Lord through the difficulties that come our way. What's his secret? How did Paul handle all of these difficulties in his life? The Bible tells us there are three basic principles that you need to follow to handle all the difficulties that will come your way. In Acts 27, Paul is shipwrecked. You know that story. He's being taken as a prisoner to Rome, to stand trial. He was warned in a dream by God not to sail in the wintertime. So Paul went up and told the captain of the ship that. He said, we can't sail in the wintertime. It would be bad. Well, they didn't pay a bit of attention to him. Guess what? It was real bad. How did Paul handle this difficulty? How do we handle? The difficulties that come and beface us every other day, it seems like. Some issue here, some issue there. Well, the first thing that we can do is to determine the reason for our difficulties. You should ask, why is this happening? Some of my problems, of course, I bring on myself. Uh, Some of the problems are caused by other people. Some are caused by God. And some are caused by Satan. In Acts 27, we find three common mistakes that people make when they get into difficulty. Number one, we listen to bad advice. Notice verse 11. They followed the advice of the pilot. Now, it doesn't matter what the experts say if God says something else. God said, don't sail in the wintertime. Well, uh, there are some people that go around seeking advice from experts and they keep going around, going around, going around until they finally find somebody that agrees with what they think. And then they stop. Well, number two, we follow the crowd. You know, everybody's doing it. Well, that doesn't make it right. You know, that's not good. Uh, So what if everybody's doing it? Notice in verse 12, the majority decided that we should sail. Well, the majority was wrong. Uh, We Baptists pride ourselves on uh, democratic uh, rule. Uh, We're not controlled by some headquarters somewhere uh, around the world. We are all autonomous local churches. Nobody tells us what to do. Uh, We make all of our own decisions, we uh, get everybody together, we vote on things, and that's what we do. We follow uh, the vote of the people. And some people think, well, that uh, is wonderful, we're so democratic. Well, it can be good, but sometimes it it can be bad. It's not always good. Uh, We are not to be a democracy where the major majority rules we are to be a theocracy where we try and follow the word of god ask what we're supposed to be following we're supposed to read the bible and understand it and appropriate it to our actions and our uh, rules if you will uh, our uh, methodology for all the different things that we do we are to seek god's will as we make our decisions Thirdly, we rely on circumstances. Well, everything is going right. And we say to ourselves, gosh, this must be God's will. Things are going well for me right now. Verse 13 says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. In other words, it seemed like a good thing. They thought. They had obtained. I've talked to a lot of folks uh, during counseling and, and they, they say, well, I think I'm doing the right thing. And they walk right into the storm, the biggest storm their life has ever had. On this ship, God had told them what to do. They did just the opposite. And within hours, just hours, they were in the middle of a typhoon. They were in the middle of a giant storm. It just came down upon them. Paul determines the reason for the difficulties. He knows why it's happening. They didn't follow God's direction. So what do you do? What do you do when the difficulties come your way? Well, first of all, we determine the cause of the difficulty. That is, we have bad advice, we follow the crowd, we rely on circumstances. Those aren't good. So what do we do? Point number two, what can we learn from this? Regardless of the source of our problems, God has a purpose for our problems. It doesn't matter what the cause of your problem is, as much as it does what you're going to allow God to do in your life through the problem that is besetting you. Romans 5.3 says, we can rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And that's a wonderful uh, alignment of the way that we can deal and grow through the difficulties that beset us. The one thing we must realize is that in every storm, it can be a learning experience. Every trial for us ought to be a teacher. As God uses difficulty for our development, we grow spiritually during that experience. The problems that you have in life, regardless of where they came from, God wants you to learn from the difficulty that has come your way. You can put two people in the same exact situation, and one of them will just succeed unbelievably in the middle of that situation. The other one will fail miserably. They'll have a bad attitude, they'll have no patience, and they'll just fail. They'll just fall flat on their face. One of them learns, one of them doesn't learn a thing. Because of the difficulty that they were in. One of them grows better. The other one uh, becomes more better. Just the opposite. What's the difference? The difference, of course, is in the way we react to the situation. Do you shut God out? Or do you let God work in the middle of difficult times in your life? What does God want to say to you and me in the midst of the difficulty, he wants to tell us, do not give up. Don't quit. You may be sitting there this morning and thinking, well, that's great, but how do I do that? What's, what's the plan for that? How do I grow through the difficulties? If it's your fault, you need to accept that. If it's someone else's fault that you know that's around you, you need to just accept that. If it's caused by Satan, you resist it. If it's caused because of me, then I need to repent. If it's from God, I relax in it and realize that God is working with me. No matter what the storm is, we can grow in it and through it. Then, the most important of all, we have to determine our response. This is point three. This is the most important part of what I have to say this morning. And I hope we can all kind of do this together in these days that are ahead. This can make or break us in the midst of a big difficulty. I determined my response by asking myself, how should I handle this? When it comes, that's what we ought to say. How can I handle this? The most important thing is for you to remember is is this fact. It's not so important what happens as much as it is how you respond to what happens. Some of you will have incredible difficulties this week, this month, this year. I mean, just something terrible will come your way. You hadn't even thought about it. You didn't know. You didn't have any idea that that was going to come. They catch you by total surprise. God has said, that he wants to develop in you patience. Patience, strength of character, and hope. Those things can be built right in the middle of the storm in our life. You'll find in Acts 27 three typical responses that are the wrong responses. We don't want to do this. The first wrong response is that the difficulty can cause us just to kind of drift in life. Just drift. Verse 15 says, So we gave way to the storm, and we were driven along. In other words, they were saying, Just go along with it. Don't fight it. Just go along with it. As I read this verse, I thought of a lot of people that like to live like that. They just let their life kind of float. You know, wherever it's going, that's okay with them. They're just floating along. They drift through life. They're battered back and forth and back and forth. The waters uh, overwhelm them. They follow the fashion of the day, the fad of the day. They don't ever set their own course. They don't ever get the direction that they need from God Almighty. They don't have any goals, any direction, just drifting, just drifting. The general attitude of someone who is drifting is, is that life is tough. So why fight it? I don't want to fight something that's tough. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. Well, that's the wrong choice. The second thing is that difficulties cause us to discard. In verse 18, it said, On this boat that Paul was on, all these other people, they began to throw the cargo overboard. When the ship's lighter, it's not as likely to sink. So they started throwing the cargo overboard. It says when the storm came up, they threw the cargo overboard. And then, it says, they begin to throw away the ship's tackle. Just started throwing it away. There's a principle working here. The principle is that when we are going through a great difficulty in our life, it is human nature to abandon the things the people, the values that were important to us when everything was going great. We start discarding. We go through a crisis and we lose our integrity. God tells us that is the wrong response to life and the problems, the troubles that life brings. Notice what it says in verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, we cannot be saved. And you know what the soldiers did? By this time, they started listening to Paul. Uh, The soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat, and it fell away. So they couldn't leave. In other words, they closed the back door. They had no way out. Have you shut the back door to your marriage? Have you done that? Have you locked it? And thrown away the key and said, we're going to stay together, grow together, be in love together, ride out this life together. God is saying, hang in there. Stay with the ship. Don't give up. Stay with your marriage. Life is difficult sometimes when you're going to school. Does that mean you ought to quit? No. No. It means we ought to stay with it, stay in school, stay with your family, stay with your church, stay with your Lord. I've learned through some mistakes in my life that it's never, God, never is God's will for me to run away from a difficult situation. Whenever we do that, we're making a mistake. If you do that, you don't learn anything, and you're going to go down that same road again later. It comes back up. God has something to teach us in every situation that comes our way. He's trying to teach me that he is sufficient in every situation of life. There's a third wrong response. Difficulties can cause us to despair. Despair. In verse 20 it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued to be raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, later in this passage, it says that there were 14 days without any light, no light at all. They were in the storm. They were in total darkness. Here's a small ship in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea just being bounced about, slapped about. Well, They have thrown all the cargo overboard. They've thrown all the tackle overboard. For 14 days, they have been tossed back and forth, back and forth, no idea where they are, no idea where they're going. And guess what? They begin to despair. When you have lost hope, folks, you've lost it. When you get to that point, you've really uh, reached the wrong end zone. Uh, You've got to turn around. God tells us not to drift, not to discard, and not to despair. They had forgotten one thing. God was not only with them, but God was in control of the situation. No situation is hopeless when you turn it over to our Lord. Those are the wrong responses. Well, what are the right responses? Well, you do three things. First, you confess your part in it. Uh, if you brought it on yourself, admit it. I cause this. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says that a man who refuses to admit to his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Isn't that a great verse? You see, you cannot deal with a problem until you admit that it is a problem. I wish all of our politicians in Washington could understand that. They need to understand that. They don't understand that. If you're having problems with your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, admit it. If you are an alcoholic, you're never going to get on the road to recovery Until you admit the fact of where you are. Secondly, you want to confront the problem. In verses 34 through 40, you'll see that Paul takes some practical action steps. He doesn't just sit there and moan and groan. He gets up and starts doing some things. Well, they hadn't had anything to eat for many, many days. And Paul tells them, all of a sudden, he says, all right, eat everything you can. Eat eat all that you can possibly hold. So they do that. Next, he says, throw all the remaining food overboard. And they do that. And then they cut the anchors. And then they untie the rudders. And then they make an attempt to ground the ship. Paul, on the direction of God, headed straight into the storm. Straight into the storm. The principle is this. Don't fear the storm. Face it. The only way to get through the storm is straight ahead. If you turn to either side, the ship is going to tip over. You have to face the conflict in your marriage. You have to face the conflict with your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. You have to face the conflict with your neighbor. Believe me, I know how hard that is. (laughs) Have you been in a situation where your next door neighbor just about drove you absolutely insane? I see a few heads nodding. You have to face the conflict with your boss. You have to face, wherever the conflict's coming from, you've got to face it. Because you rarely solve the problem by ignoring it. Notice in this passage, in no place did God say, this is going to be easy. He doesn't say that. He never says that. It is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But in the midst of the problem, you begin to grow because God is with you. The third thing is to claim a promise. The law of life for the Christian is this. When you face a problem, you've got to find A promise. Notice in verse 22 through 25. Paul says. Last night an angel of God. Came and stood beside me and said. Do not be afraid Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has given you the lives of all who sail with you. You know what uh, Paul did? He turned around and told all the men on that ship. Just exactly what the angel had told him. He claimed the promise. You know, in the scripture, there are over 7,000 promises. Now, you need to find some promises in there that you feel like uh, really were meant for you. Find your promise. Put it on a little uh, board in your living room or on your refrigerator or in the bathroom somewhere. Put it up somewhere to where you can see it regularly. A promise that God has given you. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a real good one. Well, notice when you study this passage, God did not say the ship is going to make it. He didn't say that. He didn't say the ship was going to make it. He said you're going to make it. That's what he said. In verse 41 tells us that the ship was broken to pieces. By the pounding of the serve. The point is this. The promise is that you will make it. You'll make it. You may come to shore on a broken piece of wood. But God is going to deliver you. You're going to make it. All of us have areas in our lives of brokenness. Every one of us do. That doesn't mean that God is through with you. God uses broken people. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that have uh, started out real strong for Christ, and then they, they backslid. You know, they, they didn't keep it up. And they did some bad things. And they thought, well, I'm just ruined, you know, in God's work. And lo and behold, God reached out to them, touched them, turned them around, got them going and now they're serving God in a wonderful, glorious way and leading some people to Jesus and helping to build up the body of Christ and just doing a lot of really great things. You're not through if you were broken at one point in your Christian walk. God uses broken people. You'll make it to shore. It may be on a broken piece of wood, but you'll make it. You may have a broken heart but God wants you to make it. You may have a broken home, but God wants you to make it. Is there a storm in your life right now that is threatening to just break up your whole life, your whole ship? Do you feel the waves and the pressures of circumstances that are just battering you again and again and again? They are so strong that you feel like you are literally coming apart. These difficulties are designed for your good. If you will let God work in them and through them to build you up in him. The interesting thing about this passage is that everything around Paul was crumbling. Every single thing fell apart. Everything went wrong. But, you know, it doesn't mention Paul. He wasn't falling apart. He remained strong. He stood tall. He said what God told him. And he saved the lives of every one of those men on that ship. You know, a lot of things can happen around you, but God has his hand on you. And in the midst of it, he's going to lead you through. you got to trust and believe in him. Why is that? Because Paul had confidence in the Lord. That's why it went right. This morning, perhaps there's somebody in the house that's never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want you to. That's why we're here. We're here to lead people to Jesus and develop people in their faith. Those are the reasons why we are here. And we hope and pray that if there is one single person in the house today that has never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would do it today. That you would take a stand on the promises of God's word today. What we do, the way we do it here, is we sing a hymn. And I stand down here at the front. If the Lord's leading you, you just slip out from wherever you are, slip down to the front, and take a stand for Jesus Christ in your life. There are many here today that are long-time, strong Christian people. And you know that you need a church home, and our doors are certainly open. We'd love to have you come and join with us and serve with us. If the Lord is leading you in that direction, please quit fighting that. And just let go and let God have his way. Just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for Jesus in these moments. Let's stand together as we sing.